I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. And we're back for another episode of the Mutant Ages where we actually watch an episode of X-Men the Animated Series. Yeah, last week we took a little break and we watched a bunch of commercials and now we're back. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the Mutant Brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. And this is probably going to be the last super long distance episode of our show. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Are you making an announcement? Finally. <laughs> our, our Patreon supporters got to know. But uh, yeah, I am moving back or not back. I'm moving. Well, yeah, back. I can't speak. <laughs> I'm moving to Massachusetts and I'm going to be very close to Maddie again, which means we'll be recording probably still in separate houses because it's just easier to do it that way. But I'm excited because that means we can make more shit. So, I'm hoping that we can make some more videos, X-Men related videos and otherwise. Yeah, we're uh, actually going to make Demon 3, so. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering the success of D2. Some, <laughs> some videos with a smaller scope. So I hope I hope Atomic Blue Productions fans will follow our YouTube channel and just keep up with all the cool shit we're going to make. But anyway, yeah, so that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about X-Men the Animated Series. Again, we're back. A- again. And this is an episode called Mojo Vision. Yeah, and I I wanted to say a couple things before we you jump have a into this statement. Um, I mean, prepared as in like I said it repeatedly in the shower. Does that count for anything? <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so so this episode is called Mojo Vision, and I want to explain a couple things before we jump in because this episode is not going to take the time to do that. Um, but it's a great ep. The Mojo world and the Mojo verse is a reality in the X-Men universe and the comic books, which is a place where characters are sort of like forced into these like horror reality TV shows where they can actually die. So it's kind of like the Hunger Games in that way. Right. But in or this like TV sh- a gladiatorial ring or yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Unlike the comic books, this is a much goofier take on that because it'd probably be too scary for kids. But in the comic books, it's very dark. It's very gritty. Uh, Mojo, who is like this big green blob of an alien with like mechanical spider legs and a scorpion mm-hmm. tail and his eyes are like wired open. He is a very terrifying villain in the comic books. And in this, he's presented as goofy probably because it would be too scary for a kid's show. But I do think it's interesting that they that they managed to pull it off. And what's interesting about it, and this is my other second point here, is um, the Mojoverse and the Mojo world is just it's all like reality TV and it's like their whole thing. And Mm -hmm. in the comic books, it's sort of a commentary on we could talk about this a lot more and expand on it in the uh, political section. But like it's based on like 
consumerism and like consuming as much media as possible and if, if that media gets boring but people still want more and so they have to keep on well, but amping it's also it up. like specifically exploitative media because i mean yes th- you could totally argue that reality tv is exploitative even now even according oh, totally. to totally i ethics, mean I, I still think that is guidelines that it operates on a lot of times they'll edit it in a way that's not fair but this is obviously like a fantastical sci-fi horrifying example that's more like the hunger <laughs> games where the violence is also being forced on these right and, and they people, can be they can die deaths in there are for other people's entertainment right except in this it's a kid's show so they get turned into like posters instead but there's but, still some threat of them being killed even in oh, the yeah. kids show i mean they, they say stuff like death and blood in here so it's mm-hmm. it, that's not the point the point i was gonna make is that this show is actually very clever about what it's doing because it is still presenting these ideas that the comic book has about all these things that we just mentioned but also what they're doing in this episode and i didn't realize this until maybe like hours after i'd watched the episode that (laughs) it really well i was out walking and thinking about it again and it's just actually kind of clever how what they're doing in this is that they're also sort of making a commentary on what their competition was like at that time in the early 90s and how really the x-men was one of the very few shows that was a show that was as serious as it was there was like Batman, the animated series and Gargoyles. And then there was like the X-Men. What they're competing with were like all these other wacky shows. And definitely in the 90s, that was like the whole thing. It was like, let's see how wacky and weird we can be. And like, as soon as this episode starts, it, it doesn't feel like X-Men at all. They're using like sound effects from other 90s shows. They're using like music they've never used before. The voice acting and the dialogue mm-hmm. is on par with like other 90s shows. So they kind of like spun it to their advantage to do this. And I, I thought it was very clever in that way. Yeah, I wondered also if perhaps the episode was striking back at whatever the criticisms were of this show at the time i think it was i mean i don't know that because i was a child but i i know that growing up we were always told like you know tv's too violent dangerous rots your brain and that definitely is what this episode is about so (laughs) i mean we can get to it but it's like it's a very 90s way of thinking about tv and it was kind of like a blast from the past in that sense but that doesn't mean that i don't still think you could make an episode of tv that's very similar to this today i think it would just be you just tweak a few things about it right it could still work i I totally agree anyway i just i thought it was very interesting how they managed to break out of that mold and it's kind of funny too because it's like the x-men are torn out of their universe into like a different 90s cartoon so it's just it's cool so let's let's get let's jump into that uh is there anything related on previously the x-men here because i don't think so other than well, like the savage land but we don't have to worry about that until the very end <laughs> <laughs> i forgot that was there until like the very last second oh. so previously on the x-men charles Da-da-da-da. xavier magneto are fucking in the savage land and it was magneto's creation or something we don't really know yet and mr also, sinister the is like land taping takes them. away their powers and yeah mr sinister kidnapped them and he's taping them while they also have a okay romantic question does time. mojo have like a live stream into mr sinister's tapes i did think it was funny that we've made jokes about mr sinister taping things and then mojo vision is like a very literal exaggerated character which i think we brought up last week or some other week on this show about how mojo vision is, is going to be an episode that's kind of about things that we joke about 
because Mojo oh, yeah. tapes people. But uh, Mr. Sinister also tapes people. So I think it's just... <laughs> this is what they do. It's just something that's considered horrifying by X-Men, the animated series. Yeah, right, so we'll let's... worry about the Savage Land later. It's really not we important. Will. We can jump in. This is in. basically just a fun one-off episode where you don't really have to know a lot about the X-Men to understand what's going on. It's... It's not like the X-Men know what's going on they either. They don't. And it isn't really explained in the episode itself. <laughs> so no, it's kind of poor fine. Cyclops keeps on asking what's happening yeah. over and over so again. So it starts out with us watching something that you can pretty much immediately tell isn't the x-men because it's got like you said this bonkers cyberpunk synthesizer music happening that we've never heard before on the series very very yeah. cool music and then we see like this huge brown lizard dragon crawling over like a mountain in the post-apocalyptic wasteland and then there's like a guy a blonde guy with a mullet like this very 80s looking guy not even a 90s guy but like an 80s action guy we see him flipping around he's got like a whip and then all of a sudden he's in a flying tank and he's like fighting <laughs> against some soldiers it's and then definitely suddenly like he's underwater and like a submarine and then he's, he's, he's just can do it all of it jet. and i i was thinking to myself like oh this looks like a video game because i'd forgotten no. what the premise was briefly and then i was like all right it's a tv it's show mojoverse i know yeah. it's definitely homage to like specifically 80s cartoons which mm-hmm. was like all about all that shit like so. mask and he-man yeah and exactly we also get a shot of Psylocke, which is just randomly inserted in here. Which, which I assume is a reference to the fact that Psylocke, isn't she involved in some of the Mojo storylines? Yeah, I was going to say she and Spiral have this whole and, thing and they yeah. like hate each other. Yeah, it's but it's funny because they make all these references in here. But like Psylocke appears later and has it's not even like referenced. And also Dowser's in this episode and she, we meet her later. And that's also like retcon. So it's just like a bunch of craziness. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so then this whole sequence ends with like a title screen and it says long shot. And we're like, what? The title screen for a TV show we're not even watching. What's I know. this? And then we see Mojo, who is like this sort of Jabba the Hutt looking alien guy. And his voice with, like kinda... clockwork orange yeah, face contraption where his eyes are being fucking cried weird. Open. Yeah. And also he's like his voice in this is not how you would imagine this character at all. It's like I the cartoon the voice acting in this. Oh, me too. It was like the cartoon version of Jim Carrey's The Mask when it was like, oh, what's going on over here? I, I am not going to deal with any of this. Fight. The ratings are going through the roof A today. Bit, and it's like, but it's also like kind of its own thing. I don't even know what character to compare it to. I mean, that's a good comparison, but I feel like the voice actor did a pretty good job of making it their own. Yeah, and he also did it. a lot of dialogue. Like, he, Mojo has more lines in this episode than any character on any episode. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of it may have been improvised. I don't know that, but it just feels that way based on how he talks. And so as soon as we see Mojo, there's like all this goofy music suddenly, like all the cool synth pop that we heard before. It is totally sounds gone. like fucking it's like, like Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like, like that burr, kind burr, of shit. Burr, burr. <laughs> yeah. So Mojo is yelling at the blonde mullet guy who we yeah. soon realize is the action star who just appeared in Longshot, the TV show that we saw. And it's directed by this weird alien guy who's yelling at this guy because the ratings are down and your action figures aren't selling and... He's just like monologuing at this guy and insulting him. Yeah, and, and uh, 
Vlanchas just all like, you know what? It's you're the director and producer of the show. You fix it. Like I'm just the actor. Like what the fuck do you want me to do? Yeah. So and he's also surrounded by two hot '80s babes in headbands who are yeah. Like, one of them is Dazzler. Yeah, she did it, look just like, like Dazzler. I just was like, I, it's funny how this girl looks like Dazzler, but I didn't assume it literally was Dazzler. Yeah, I looked it up. It literally is just Dazzler. <laughs> okay. <sure. laughs> and so there's all these funny lines in here. I really liked Mojo's lines. He goes. He pulls out a nose hair and he goes, see this nose hair? It can act better than you. And he like makes a joke about putting him in a tuxedo. And I was just like, what? But he's talking so fast <laughs> that I couldn't write everything down. I couldn't. I didn't write down any of his jokes. I was hoping you did. Longshot like makes a joke about he's he basically Longshot just starts pushing back and being like, whatever, you're slimy and ugly anyway. And like insulting him. And that's how he gets fired. Is that <laughs> that's the last straw for Mojo? Mojo's like, no. Does he fuck actually you, get fired, or just Longshot just leave? And Mojo's like, we just have to find a better show than you. Basically, yeah, it's a mutual, mutually angry departure. I would say. Okay. And then Mojo's friend slash husband slash life partner. I don't even in. know. His name is Domo, by the way. I did not know his name, and I'm like Major a long time expert fan. I don't know. Yeah, no. Domo hands him like a huge bottle of, I guess, Pepto Bismol. I don't even know what it Dude, is. Dude, I, I that's thought it was. What it is. I thought it was like Mojo food for his stomach. I don't even know. But I don't know because he makes a joke later about eating a producer. So I was which like, is fucked up. It is, yeah. I mean, Mojo's like, a villain, guys. I'm just assuming that, like, at the beginning of this, because he's like, the producers say our ratings are dropping through the floor, and, like, our producer's dumb, and then, like, later on, he's just like, I ate the producer! And I was like, whoa. Is that, like, how he reacts with these? It's just, later, like, by performing cannibalism? I don't know. I guess so. He, like, burps Does that count as cannibalism? Says, I think that was the producer that I ate earlier. And, like, there are a lot of jokes, like, fat jokes with him where he's, like, burping and stuff, and I just kind of ignored them because I was like... I can tell that this show is trying to get me to find him disgusting and hate him, but I actually really enjoy him. And I think it's because I don't just like the other day, I was thinking a lot about all the theater that you and I used to do just like coincidentally. (laughs) And I was just thinking about like all the moments when you and I would be directing a show or leading a show and be like, Oh my God, like this is horrible. Like no one's listening to us. And I just like happened to be thinking about it. And so in this moment, watching this episode, I was like, I'm totally on Mojo's side. This fucking actor, he doesn't know how good he has it. He's not even listening to Mojo. Mojo is the guy who has to look at the ratings and get the props and organize everything. So I was like already biased in Mojo's favor, even though he's like an alien villain who eats people. And I'm supposed to think he's scary. It's just funny that like because of our life experiences managing so many creative projects, I was like, Mojo's got a point here. Like this... (laughs) This fucking egotistical actor needs to get out of here. But so Domo comes forward and Domo is the one who whispers in Mojo's ear to be like, you know, he had a point. And I was like, screw you, Domo. No, he didn't. Longshot didn't have a I, point. I know. And then Mojo responds just by like spinning around and screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> the sound seemed a little bit off in our recording here, but it gets caught up. Um, I don't know I don't what know. was up with the video file there. I feel like that wasn't the video. I think that might have been the original thing because I it I think you been. might be onto something with him um, improving lines and then they wanted to use them, but they had already animated. Oh, that like... would make a lot of sense because there's like a shot of Domo taking out a DVD and it's like placed over a voiceover of him still speaking, but like his character yeah. isn't speaking, but he basically is saying like, but that happens like here's a few some times. new heroes that we could be 
capturing here and it's the x-men and he puts in this yeah. dvd that he has well, of mr a, sinister's footage of the i X-Men. think it happens with like cyclops later i think this is just how it was produced in the long run and it, i don't know it's like obviously team b but like for once i'm like really on board with team b right now so i mean it might be team b i don't know it could have just I, been we, that it was such just a like complicated team such a complicated episode to animate that they just had to skip over certain scenes just to deal with all the huge arena moments with all the aliens in the audience and all right. those extra yeah. animation There's just like a lot of stuff going on in this, so I get it. Yeah, so anyway, they are looking at this video footage of the X-Men, which is from previous episodes of this show, That Mr. Sinister had recorded from the bushes. Uh-huh, and edited they, for well, He also watches like the X-Men opening title, which I thought was funny. Yeah, like, but it's supposed to be taking you out of it, I think, and being yeah. like, oh, I'm watching a tv show about a tv show yeah 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 it's 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 clever i like it yeah um i don't mind stuff like this i don't mind i don't mind some meta commentary i feel like it's been like 20 episodes they they deserve to sit back and like talk about themselves for yeah, a they second. can just like fuck around a little bit if they want to um and so he wants the x-men and so then we cut to the mall which this scene made me laugh really hard because gene and scott are like at like a v like a, i don't know a video store again they're at a tv store which, i like, like how they're like well our tv met in an untimely end and the dude was like what the fuck does that mean it's he's like yeah. how do you break a tv it's yeah, like how like, do you fry it a surge protector as part of the tv because well we know this girl jubilee and he's just like all right everything you're saying is crazy anyway let me just demo you some tvs third time in this whole series where it turned out that jubilee had broken out like an electronic and i've just i had written down i was like i don't know how jubilee keeps on breaking everything and then i wrote oh i do know because i am jubilee (laughs) like think back to my own teenage years when i broke like how many phones how many vcrs like i just broke everything mm-hmm. is that so, also going on i mean no because like you... you know as as an adult i have to fucking like pay for my shit so you know i understand that consequence which i did not understand as a teenager but my parents were pretty pissed about it understands it so anyway, anyway so mojo mojo appears on like one of the tv screens and starts all screaming of the tv at Cy- screens she starts screaming at cyclops and gene that he they need to be on her show and this the guy that works at the the store is like trying to change it and he's like what the hell and it's like he keeps on changing the channel mojo's like don't change the channel on me i'm talking to scott and gene and cyclops <laughs> like what the fuck yeah that's like the first time that scott's like what what's happening here <laughs> yeah i mean i don't remember what happens to the salesman but he like absconds himself from the situation and mojo starts talking to scott and gene about like oh i love what you did with the sentinels that was great and like all these awesome action moments with the two of you and they're immediately freaked out because he knows their secret identities he knows exactly who they are and they're just wearing normal clothes shopping for a tv right now and also yeah. an alien is on a tv talking to them so you know it's a little weird <laughs> And they're both basically like, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And he is like, I'm going to offer you a lifetime eternal contract. And it like has all of these ridiculous like ways that you can't get out of it. He's like, yeah, it's of course, like there's a non-survivor clauses. clause or whatever. Yeah. And um, Scott and Gene are like, no, we're not going to do that. And they just like walk away and Mojo loses it. He's like, a rejection, I should have known better, and then eventually melts down and starts screaming, nobody says no to Mojo, and electrocutes both of them. Yeah, Gene um, immediately passes out, like, after two Scott seconds. Scott somehow doesn't, despite being electrocuted. Scott tries to destroy the TVs, which doesn't do anything. Anything, and then he's on the ground being electrocuted, and Gene wakes up, and immediately she's like, 
no, he can't take anymore, based on nothing. She just, like, woke up, and she's like, no, Scott Scott's can't take it. Scott's about to die suddenly because of all the electricity. And then suddenly she, like, remembers she has powers in a classic Jean Grey move and, like, uses her telekinesis to block the electricity, which I don't even really know if that would work. But for know. some reason in this moment, she can do it. And then Logan busts in. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, Wolverine comes running in with, like, Storm, Rogue, and Beast, and they all just kind of, like hop around him and i was like did you all go shopping together and like i i mean, what's happening here where'd you all just come from <laughs> they were all at the mall and then probably like saw the tv store blowing up or heard like, it literally all the characters except the one character who goes to the mall regularly is there it's for the best though because <laughs> <laughs> jubilee doesn't want to get jubilee probably would have been able to get out of this situation faster i mean i'm glad that it is resolved by who it's resolved by but like jubilee probably would have been like yo this is like a video game this is what we do like, yeah, I'm I mean, sure also that's Gambit isn't there, so maybe Gambit and Jubilee like overheard the commotion and they were like busy playing an arcade game or something. That would be and just like perfect. didn't hear any of this. They're, no, they're just like they hear shit blowing up, and <laughs> they're Gambit's, like, "It's fine." <laughs> yeah, I know Jubilee's like, "Should we go help?" And Gambit's like, "Not shit, not until I get the highest score." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, we don't really know what how much time has passed while they've been away, so it's kind of weird to guess that. But anyway, okay, so. They're all standing there, and Bojo summons Spiral, who is this six-armed lady wearing a crazy outfit and, like, mm-hmm. a Viking helmet. And she comes out of the TV's boob first. Like, her breasts come emerging <laughs> out, and then the rest yeah. of her body also comes out. Um, yeah. It starts playing this, like, circus music. It's like... And she starts like spinning around and throwing like beams of light at them. And there's like, she what also the fuck's says, happening? The auditions are closed. Time to report to the set. And then right okay. after that, she starts beaming all of them like <laughs> out into another dimension. So, which you know what's I really enjoyed. funny about this? It's like, this I is. I mean, not... other than everything. Like... Okay. I mean, yeah. But I mean, like, nothing about Spiral in this episode is on par with her personality. They just like made it as goofy as possible. I mean, She's actually a, a pretty show. cool character in this. She's like spinning around to circus music. I enjoyed her. I mean, I, I don't I know that too. she's cool, but I still enjoyed her character in this. Uh, so then we get a shot of the outside of uh, Mojo's TV station or whatever, which I wrote down is like Mojo version of Gruntilda's lair for Banjo-Kazooie, where it's just like a giant walkway into a rock that's his face. And it's like playing the Banjo-Kazooie music still. It's like... <laughs> I feel like every single scene in this episode has a background score, which doesn't usually happen on this show. No, it doesn't, but it's all like so good because it's mocking like all these other 90s, like these other 90s genres of that time. So it's playing music that would appear in like Freakazoid or even Tiny Tunes, which is a great show. But it's like all those like cliches and the type of music they would play back then. I was into it. Uh, so the X-Men appear in a floating box in Mojo's TV studio. And, and there's oh, a is... live studio audience there, and it's a bunch of aliens and You know what? Humans this whole and... scene reminded me so much of Thor Ragnarok, and I was like, this whole yes. thing, like the Mojoverse could take, of all the shit that's happened in the MCU the, right now, I feel like the Mojoverse of all things could fit right in with like the Guardians of Galaxy Thor wackiness that's been happening the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like Mojo in this reminded me of What's the fuck's his the face? The Jeff in? Goldblum character. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. I, I don't know. I thought it was very similar to that. And it also making them fight, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, of course, even that scene is also based on gladiators. It's all pulled from, like, from other that shit. same yeah. concept. But, yeah. Uh, so Cyclops at first immediately is like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, 
Also, they all instantly get transformed into wearing their superhero outfits. Oh, yeah, that's important to note. I don't know. Maybe it is. I guess I, I guess Mojo's got some dress fears. That's all. Meanwhile, Mojo's, like, ranting to himself about how angry he is about Longshot still. And at one point, he says, that ungrateful has been. And I had to watch it, like, three times to figure <laughs> to make out sure. that he wasn't saying husband. Because I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Wait, okay, they already win the gayest part of this episode. I mean, really, Mojo and Domo seems like the ones that are dating, but I was like, what is he saying? Like, I knew he wasn't saying husband. It just took me a really long time to figure it out. <laughs> husband anyway, is still he also pretty great, says though. He'll never eat lunch in this universe again, which is, you know, a classic Hollywood stereotype line. He'll never eat in this town again. Right. He's, he's basically supposed to no be. No producers for you, Launchot. You're on your own. You have to eat <laughs> yeah. the fucking video editor. He's like a parody of just the worst Hollywood movie executive. Yeah. Except he eats people instead of sexually assaulting them. So yeah, and- the X-Men are in a cube, a floating cube, and Beast says some line about how absolute power corrupts absolutely, and Mojo is like, I don't fucking care, <laughs> and monologues about how what people really want to see is violence, and he says in this sarcastic voice, what do you think they want to see? Peace? Good government? Which I thought was kind of funny because the X Men never shows a good too. government. Um, and then he goes, "They want blood and action, action, action." These monologues are way longer and like funny. I, I just didn't see, write I, all of them I, down. Same here. They're and so I, fast I wish that I there just was, was like, way... I'm just gonna enjoy them. Maybe maybe afterwards I can just look up some quotes because I bet it's like on IMDb or something. But he does have some really great monologues in as here. As far as episodes go, where you could just enjoy a standalone app, this is definitely one of the fun ones that we can recommend. Really is. But you know, the show's not streaming anywhere anymore, so. Well, good luck. (laughs) Anyway, Storm has a little comeback where she's like, violence and destruction are not forms of amusement, but doesn't matter because Storm and Scott are about to get cyber beamed into the Mojo TV world. Yeah, which happens (laughs) by the cube that the X-Men are all stuck in starts to spin at an alarming rate and then they disappear. So in this case, Cyclops and Storm disappeared immediately, the two leaders of the X-Men, and Rogue's just like, where'd y'all go? <laughs> yeah. And Beast is like pointing at like, the TV screens. Yeah. Storm and Scott suddenly show up on a motorboat. I don't know how to describe these kind of Did boats. Did you write down this title, though? It was like Miami Mutants, I think. Yeah, it's like a parody of Miami Vice. Yeah. Um, all of the show titles are parodies of other shows. Uh, right. And so it's kind of like they're two cops on the run. And so they're motorboating around and there's a bunch of dudes chasing them with torpedoes. Oh, yeah. And Storm and- is sitting there. She goes, how did we get here? And I feel like Cyclops was just going to be like, really, Storm? Like, like it's what do you mean, kind how? of obvious what's happening. But it takes the X-Men a surprisingly long time to figure out what's going on. Like, I feel you know, like it's Jean is the only... 22 minutes. <laughs> I know. Well, I feel like even at the beginning, Jean has some line where she's like, hold on, let's think about this. And like everyone just immediately is like, duh, duh, don't know what to do. And Jean's like, how about yeah. thinking? Like, where did all of our training just go? Yeah. Wolverine I, is like especially Scott useless in Storm this. Storm play this entire interaction completely straight. They do exactly what Mojo would have wanted them to do, which is that they fight back against the guys who are trying to attack them in a glamorous, showy, flashy way. They destroy the other boats. Storm flies in the air to fight the planes. There's all the cyberpunk music still. It and sounds then, like Sonic the Hedgehog up in here. At the end, it looks like they're about to die. And then suddenly the TV show is over and Scott and Storm appear on these two little screens in the arena. Frozen. And this is when Mojo makes a sort of joke about how 
oh, that was so good. Maybe I shouldn't kill them. Maybe I should bring them back for another episode or something like that. And so yeah, we're so kind of like, oh, okay. The he stakes like, are puts them high. into some sort of like frozen purgatory when they're done because they're just, mm-hmm. they become frozen on screen because they'll, they still interact with Mojo, but they can't move or anything. Yeah. It's very, it's kind of freaky. And I think if I it had is. watched this as a kid, I would have been like alarmed by this. But I feel like I wouldn't have been because it's definitely concepts that only seem scary when you think about them as an adult. But I do sure. think it's kind of impressive that the message from the comics is getting boiled down into like sort of a kid friendly package where it's like really simplified and just like, get it? People think TV is bad, and so this is a villain who's like making the most <laughs> evil possible version of TV, and you can see how that's bad, but not the X-Men, kid. Keep watching the X-Men, because they're good. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting, because it's still also inviting you to be like, wait, is is it bad that I enjoy watching Storm and Cyclops killing people in a glamorous, flashy way, and like, no, what good. does it say I, that I it's entertaining? I recommend it, even. Yeah, it's I good. Think it, it's actually I think just everybody a should just watch the X Men killing people. <laughs> Perfect. Listen, as long as they're the right people, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so Mojo looks at this little dumb screen and he's like, the ratings are through the roof, but he's also like, these numbers are things a mathematician couldn't even imagine. And there's all these like absurd formulas on the screen that he's calculating ratings with. So basically just like the ratings are completely meaningless. And then he throws the screen off It's just off like a bunch of fucking numbers and like lines all over the place. Yeah. Tetris gone horribly wrong. And then Gene starts begging him for mercy on behalf of scott and is like they're human beings how could you do this to them and mojo says do i look like a man that cares which is a line he says a couple times it's kind of his catchphrase yeah yeah and then gene and logan are in the cube and rogue and beast are relegated to the tv world yeah now we don't know what's happening yet though because we hear Mojo scream, control room, which is being controlled by a spiral. And Longshot goes, hmm. Right. Control room. And I, I was like, is this really the first time you've ever realized there's a fucking control room, Longshot? <laughs> Longshot like, yeah, what the, the way, actual Longshot fuck? Longshot is watching all of this from, like, backstage, basically. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. And, and meanwhile, Spiral is, like, annoyed because she's filing her nails. And she's like, we need somebody to help with the filing. And so she uses her other forearms to take care of everything while she continues to yeah, file she's her like nails. telling a joke to herself. Like, I know. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. So Rogue's TV show is called Rogue Star. And people say this is a parody of Star Trek, but like, it's really a parody of Star Wars because if you've got Rogue in the pilot's seat and Beast as the first yeah, mate. then it's like Han and Chewbacca. Han and Chewie. That was the first thing I thought of as soon as I saw the two of them, and I was like, also Hell, a yeah. very important to know that it says it's starring Hank McCoy as Beast, and McCoy is spelt wrong here. The animators just like messed that one up. Well, um, or Mojo did. It's actually all actually it'd be funny it. if it was Mojo. <laughs> all right, and then it also says after it says also starring Rogue as Rogue, and I <laughs> laughed so fucking hard I couldn't even deal because. All right, I'm going to have to take a moment to explain this, but when Maddie and I... <laughs> we did a little bit on the Rogue episode where we talked about her name and how it didn't well, exist and stuff. I know that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm thinking more like, okay, so you... Everyone knows that I've been a writer for like a really long time. And I don't write like you do, Maddie. I write scripts and stories and stuff like that. And I used to write all these like scripts, especially in high school, that I would then make a fake credits list at the end. And it would always be like stupid shit i'd be like maddie played by maddie or like ryan played by a tape recorder and i was like this is what this was it was like literally high school ryan writing a fucking i mean sci-fi. we also like literally did that joke 
at the beginning of D2, right? Where like all the characters said which character they were yeah, playing we in the little headshots. Oh, I feel like even that <laughs> was kind of a tribute to the joke that you used to always tell where characters oh, man. would be like I didn't even think about that. Rogue okay, so- as fuck off. I'm not telling you my real name and Yeah. <laughs> it's funny cuz I don't none of this was influenced by this episode. I didn't see this and I saw it but I didn't remember it when I'm sure I used to make that stuff. I mean, so I think it's also like funny to parody opening credits. It's not like this is the only time it's ever been parodied in the history of time. Like For sure, I'm, for sure. <laughs> I mean, okay. It's a pretty funny genre <laughs> convention. Anyway. Anyway, so Mojo screams something great here. Where he goes, every kid in this dimension is going to want a pair of Rogue's gloves after this. And I was yeah, like, why would they? Too. What would they do? I was like, <laughs> I I was like it. it's not like Wolverine clothes. It's like, I can imagine you going to like the toy aisle at the toy store and you have the choice to buy Wolverine claws or just like Yellow Rose gloves, gloves, which are just like a fashion accessory. I guess Wolverine's well, okay. claws can also Wolverine be a fashion accessory. Is not on this show, though. This is Rogue Star. It's all about Rogue and you want Rogue's gloves. <laughs> anyway, so they're flying around in space and then a bunch of aliens invade the ship and they're like semi-intelligent aliens that are capable of opening the airlock at one point. Oh, and like, this is this is important to note that they're not just any alien. This is the Brood, which is a famous alien in the X-Men universe. This is the only time we ever see them on the X-Men animated series or any series because there was some sort of like uh, rights issue huh. with them. And I don't know what the deal is. And it, now, now there's still rights issues with them from the Fox versus MCU perspective, but that's that's a whole nother debate to deal with. But I just want to say that's what they are, and it's only in this episode we never see them again in any other animated iteration of anything. So between that and like the Psylocke cameo and stuff, it feels like this whole episode was just the artists and writers being like, "Fuck it, it's the oh, Mojo verse." Yeah, Especially when it gets to like Gene and Wolverine, all of the stuff that we want to have that we don't really have the rights to do, but it's fine because it's an alternate universe. So like, there's no legal ground for. Anybody anything here it's it's just like we'll put over whatever shit we want you know what batman's here too and who's gonna fucking say anything <laughs> is batman actually there no that would be amazing if batman he's was actually just in, in, he's in the, the audience, audience like members. sitting there yeah i i it seemed believable that's the kind of episode we just watched i believed you <laughs> well, anyway the audience is like absurd in this i, I mean, we haven't even described the audience but it's like maybe we a should. mishmash of all these different aliens and i I sent you a screen cap of one of the shots at one point, but I definitely know that there's a dude that's like a lobster man. And then there's a bunch of scrolls and there's somebody who's just gray and has a fucking hammer yeah, he's for like a head. Yeah, he's like a big gray cube man yeah. or something. And then, and then there's just a normal dude in a white suit looking kind of sketchy. It's great. Yeah, it is great. It, it was probably hard to animate all those audience reaction moments, though, because it's, it's definitely like all better... these additional characters you have to draw. And Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's definitely better than all those fucking Morlocks in oh the Oh, my Morlock God, episode, yeah. Some just, of like, the other group doodles. shots we've seen where it's just like an artist was told to draw a collection of unusual looking characters like they've not been good but this episode is really knocking it out of the park yeah yeah. anyway so somehow beast is so strong that he's able to withstand an airlock being opened and can like briefly stand there and like manages to get the aliens out of there and then also manages to prevent rogue from flying out but over the course of that he 
falls, falls out. out. I mean, it just like toss her back in. It it was very silly, but and hey, then, so he that's just more or less what Star space. Trek is like. So I yeah, was like, pretty much All right. people just like throwing each other out in and out of airlocks and dying mm-hmm. immediately. And so and then Beast Mojo dies and then... transports both of them back onto their own little screens. Well, wait, wait, wait. No, the first Rogue flies into the sun and dies, and oh, then well, yeah. and there's like a huge explosion. All the characters die at the end of their, but they're not really dead. You know, yeah. like they yeah, die yeah, at the yeah. end of their little TV series. But yeah, you're right. right. I forgot Rogue flies into the sun because the ship was steered towards the sun and she While wasn't able to actually attacking. steer it because, because every single situations. episode is set up so that the characters will die because that's what the people want. Yeah, which is kind of fucked up to think about. And also, what I would like to know is how does this work if for the actual x-men in this universe so are they are they experiencing oh, they all what canonically death died. feels yeah, like they're all actually literally dead and this is the last episode of the, sh- no, of the no, entire no, no, no. series i mean like so does it feel like <laughs> do they does rotate the sun and experience intense pain and they just appear somewhere else or like you know what i mean so do they i would say suffer first? no i would say no because I feel like they're not really there on the TV show world anyway, but I guess it's a good question about whether the pain is simulated and to what extent it's simulated. But I just assumed that as soon as it puts them in the box thing that they're suspended in, they're not feeling any pain, but it's definitely a lot darker. If you just imagine they're suspended there and they're also like on pain of death, like just frozen in that level of pain forever. I mean, nobody really knows. It's just a weird concept to think about. So finally, we get to the last one, which has the perfect title. It does, but then the actual show wasn't what, what I, I wanted, wanted it to be, be at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, okay, so it's called. It's I Dream of Jean. And we and were like, I was really hoping both... she would come out of like a fucking little like well, lamp. They show, I wanted like, they her to show do that. the lamp and then they show both Wolverine and Jean coming out of the lamp. And so I was like, OK, I'm, <laughs> I'm already on board for whatever this is. I but don't there's understand. just like a regular episode of the X-Men show, which is funny. And I think also sort of a commentary on that in that it's like in this X-Men TV show, Wolverine and Jean are just pining at each other and they just never hook up and I think that's the joke. I mean, maybe that's the joke. I don't know. I would have loved to have seen them actually do an I Dream of Jeannie episode. Like, every single other episode of fake TV that we've just seen is like this ludicrous action thing and then this episode just suddenly is Wolverine and Jean like in a living room like dealing I with, wish that was with a comedic dinner party and like, you I, know, That would the be the best I fucking show about. I had ever watched because Wolverine would be fucking serving dinner with his claws and Gene would be like, watch out, Logan, and be tripping over the table. It would be great. And so Wolverine is crawling up a building for some reason, and Gene is at the top of the building. And this is when Gene is trying to explain to Logan what she's noticed about the episodes that have unfolded so far. And she's like... She's actually been, like, figuring this out for the entire episode. Which is pretty lucky. At least somebody is is smart enough to figure it out. She's like, he won't let us win. He's controlling everything that happens. No matter what, things are just going to keep getting harder here. Um, And Logan is, like, not understanding what she's saying. Uh, Meanwhile, Mojo is, like, talking over the feed for all of these episodes and just, like, saying stupid crap. And, like, at some point he says, my stories, am I moved by this mush or what? And, like, that's weird because I feel like it's something that you might say about I Dream of Genie, but not about this. Whatever the fuck is happening Whatever's actually happening, which during that scene I think is Logan fighting against these guys 
who shoot eye beams like Cyclops. And so I was like overthinking that and being like, is this like a representation of like Logan's? <laughs> I don't think it got that far. I, we we would have been lucky. Probably not. And then Gene is fighting against some random guy who looks kind of like Cable, and he's got, got a gun. He's like a cyberpunk no, dude. No, it's fucking. Oh, is it an actual the dude? Punisher? It's, it's the, the Punisher. Punisher? <laughs> <laughs> is that it actually is... supposed to be the Punisher? Oh my god! I mean, it's the Punisher with like a headband on. But okay. it's definitely the Punisher. He's got the skull and everything. And does he have a skull on his shirt, man? I he does. That. I I mean, you were probably just mad that I Dream of Genie wasn't happening. Well, I was trying to take notes while watching the show, which is always, you know, a way to miss key visual details. And so, at some point, Logan loses his shirt. That's a key visual detail I zoomed in on. Well, first, first that he go he breaks into the story below them, and he fights three robots that transform into three other characters which is earthquake Flashfire, and gladiator who we i think we see all of them later on in the series so it's kind of weird that they're here but, well you know, i don't think whatever. any you keep saying that but i feel like the artist didn't know that any of these characters would be able to be introduced later so i think they were probably just having fun you know yeah, um so this is when gene is is starting to figure things out and she like tries to explain it to logan and is like logan electronic images are being projected this isn't real it's a tv and show just like my clothes are all just falling off for <laughs> yeah. some reason and she's like logan i just figured out we're inside a tv show and he's like gene i my shirt is gone <laughs> i'm being attacked by characters that we're not going to meet for several more episodes i'm a little overwhelmed right now oh you know and what so i just, I, I just like, assumed whatever. that when he was fighting the robots right and he came up with all his clothes missing that he had like a three a foursome with the more robots and then popped up that's what i assumed happened i mean sometimes you just gotta seduce a robot if you can't manage to defeat them so gene uses her powers finally because she realizes that she could use her telekinesis to shut down the broadcast basically like she's sending she's trying to perceive whatever energy beams there are i mean sure if that's how sci-fi powers work it isn't but whatever she has telekinesis so i was like kind of willing to go with it i mean i don't know yeah, so, so she manages to shut... I guess her psychic powers interrupt all the electromagnetic energy, and when it does that, it shuts down the TVs and, like, also makes the controls explode and all the shit just goes awry and mm-hmm. Boch is like, what the fuck is happening? You yeah, know? and this is when he says that line that you really like where he's like, I'm losing my audience to a pack of trees and, like, as if on cue, every single audience member takes out a book and starts reading it. <laughs> It's an incredible I think, shot. No, I think he says, I'm losing my audience to a bunch of dead trees, which made oh, it yeah. even funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just such a quick shot of all of them also reading that I I, I had to pause because I was laughing so fucking hard I enjoyed that. that so much because it reminded me of that fucking debate when we were kids where it was like, turn off the TV and read a book. Those are the only two forms of media that exist. And if you're either watching TV or you're reading a book and one of them is good and one is bad, as opposed to like there being good books and bad books and valuable, important TV that makes cultural criticism and TV that's just garbage, which is also fine. Who cares? Whatever. It's all pieces of media. But it's just like funny to me because I was like, oh, right. Like that was the thing. We were also supposed to stop watching TV and read a book, which would inherently be good for us. Oh yeah, for sure. Even though, well, technically this is a book. Technically, it's, it's a comic book. Comic so books wait, are What books, do you do then? What mom. the fuck do you do then, mom? <laughs> it would have been funny if they'd all taken out comic books. They don't though. They're just books. <laughs> um, all right. So um, then, up in the control room, Longshot strolls in very coincidentally, like right after Gene destroyed everything. He's like. I am also here to shut 
down everything. I was like, okay, I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't really make just sense, is, but... I'm going to go along with this. So it <laughs> seems okay. She's like, wait, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm setting the X-Men free so they can get out of my time slot. And she's like, yeah, okay. That sounds about right. <laughs> well, she's just on board for that. I, I, I like the idea that she just doesn't really care enough about her job to like really push back against it. I um, mean, what is her job? <laughs> I don't know. So as soon as they shut down the actual control room, which Jean had already kind of done, the X-Men get beamed back into the arena and now they can use their X powers to fight against Mojo because they're no longer stuck inside the TV. So and Cyclops so... blasts Mojo's tail with his eye beams. And then this is really silly. Wolverine <laughs> is like, give me a lift, Rogue. And she's like, anytime, sugar. And they fly <laughs> in the air so that Wolverine can use his claw to cut the one support beam that's holding up. Like, Rogue could have just done that without TVs? him, honestly. I, know. I was like, Rogue could have just like, snapped that with her hands um, <laughs> okay wolverine but it's just it's funny. masculinity right now and so all and the tvs crash down on mojo yeah they they at least temporarily incapacitate him i thought maybe he was dead at first i thought so too i was like okay i spoilers, guess he's, dead. he's not and then they all get beamed back into the tv store again in which the normal is hilarious because the store clerk is just standing in front of the tv trying to make a clicker work just as if all the shit that happened before just didn't happen he was yeah, like, like as though right, he's keep been on. there for like two hours just like trying to get the and TV's. then this huge beam of light shoots out of the tv and just blows him away it's great <laughs> and all the x-men come back and cyclops is just like can someone please tell me what the fuck any of that just was like what was any of that <laughs> that's Somebody literally his me. line except what is for happening? the f word he says that he says that and then the scene cuts away and it cuts back to mojo and it's, <laughs> it's really great funny it's so funny because cyclops is just wondering what all that craziness just was it, i mean just so like, is everyone because like this never affects their lives like it just Ever like again. derailed them for an afternoon and, and they I, blasted I just their love way out that of it cyclops throughout this episode just keeps on going what's happening what is this? What's happening now? Where are we? I don't understand what's happening. Please somebody explain to me what <laughs> no is happening now. Does. What the fuck is happening? And then he gets home and he still doesn't know. And he'll never know. He's like just saying that in bed with Gene at the end of the day. He's like, what's happening? What happened today? Gene, what happened? Gene's, Gene's just, just like, like using you let her it go? psychic powers to like stop, to put him to sleep, off listening to him and just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Alright, so there's just a little bit left of this episode. So now it's back to Domo and Domo is making small talk, Domo being Mojo's assistant, since Mojo appears dead, at least for now. And yeah. Domo's like, oh, well, nothing lasts forever, because I wrote that down. I think he says that nothing lasts forever, especially in TV. Yes, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. And so then Longshot hits on Spiral and is like, did I tell you I used to go out with an actress with two heads? And she's like, was she nice? And he's like, well, yes and no. Which is like a joke that would be in a kid's joke book and then I was mad at myself for laughing at it, but I didn't laugh at it. <laughs> I also laughed though. And then Mojo busts out of the TV pile and he's still alive. And he wants to start a new show. Yeah, he suddenly sees Longshot and realizes the folly of his ways and he's like, uh... You know, I'm thinking about a rewrite, reshoot, reboot, uh, redo. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> the pay is still going to be shit, but 
uh, what do you think baby and he's like trailing him out of the room and then I like know. they see a picture on the wall and he's there's like a terrible segue where he's like "Ooh, look a jungle picture and suddenly like, the savage land. i think it was just his live stream of mr sinister's videos still i think it was also just the show itself acknowledging the stupidity of the savage land cutaways or maybe it's just <laughs> that i really really wanted them to acknowledge them yeah it was exactly that i think uh, it's let's, just let's that pretend it was i think they were trying to again play with that genre of the 90s I think where so, they, yeah. would, they would call out how ridiculous transitions were and they would do that on the actual 90s shows too so i don't know it felt very like animaniacs-y for him to just suddenly be like looking at a screen and being like look at this movie and then suddenly you're watching it i don't know yeah pretty much uh so then basically after that we go to the savage land for this really awkward scene where First of all, well, Xavier I mean, Magneto. This, it's, it doesn't start out with them. It starts out with a jungle picture, like an like an 80s exploitation, like Jane and Tarzan, like lady in a bikini in a sexy cheetah bikini. Oh, that's. Oh, oh do you do you know who that is? Fighting the pterodactyl. Oh, that's, is she a person that matters? Yeah, I don't know if it's pronounced Shana or Shauna, but I've always said Shauna. So it's uh, Shauna the she devil. And. Mm-hmm. All you need to know about her, Maddie, is just Google her name and the look at the images and, like, you know exactly what kind of character they created her to be. And I she think does. I already get it just based on this, but yeah. Yeah, she definitely kicks ass, that's for sure, but she's. She was created to be just overly sexualized and she just wears two strings to cover her entire body and she has gigantic boobs and, like, that's the joke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so anyway, she's fighting a pterodactyl. It's Sauron! <laughs> yeah, it is Sauron, but we are but we don't know that yet. It just looks like a random pterodactyl. His that's eyes true. aren't glowing yet, so as far as we yeah, can tell, true. he's just a it's normal pterodactyl. It's just a random pterodactyl. pterodactyl. <laughs> All right, good point. And so then cut away to Magneto and Xavier, who are chilling together on their way-too-long date, and they're looking at this building on like a little island, I think. I don't know. It's a little yeah. far away from them. And Xavier's like, oh, that's your citadel. And then Magneto finally is like, yes, I was trying to create the perfect world for us all to live in. So we wouldn't have to live in like disharmony with humans anymore, which is like Magneto's thing. I don't know why mm-hmm. Xavier couldn't figure that out because he already tried doing that at least a couple times. So I mean, I think he knew that but i think it's also the show is trying to tell us that that's the wrong thing to do because that's always what happens with magneto like every time he tries to make those places he's like i'm just gonna go create my own country they don't work oh well poor magneto he's trying so hard anyway (laughs) yeah the reception is that's the main (laughs) issue with it so anyway they hear a lady screaming and it's a lady shauna or shana and yep (laughs) immediately charles like Magneto, we must help her. <laughs> Magneto's like so annoyed that this date is being broken up. He's like, Oh my god, he gets so no! mad about it. <laughs> flings himself after Charles trying to stop Literally him. Literally flings himself on top of Charles like, Xavier screaming. They even no. see what's happening. He like, just all knows that's that happening. Magneto's is that like, Don't screaming. look at the girl. <laughs> <laughs> but then once they actually see what's happening, Magneto explains himself, even though there's no way he could have known this. But he's like, the creature attacking the woman is Sauron. His powers would make him a dangerous foe, even if we still had our own. There is nothing we can do. Roll credits. Oh, and also we see the pterodactyl has glowing red eyes. And so we're like, oh, okay. This pterodactyl yeah, he, like, basically possesses has powers. People. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, Sauron carries Shauna off to a volcano. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're I don't right. know I if that's about relevant. The, the gratuitous shot of Shauna, like, spreading her arms and, like, slowly being lifted <laughs> in the air. And just, like, the slow pan over She's her body. She's flying! It's really Oh, my weird. God. 
this episode, man. Great episode. I actually, Great I app. really enjoyed it. I laughed out loud a lot, and I like a lot of the uh, the statements they were making in the episode itself. It's a good episode. I, I don't know. I feel like it could have been bad, and they managed not to fuck it up. I think they did it as well as they possibly could have. Like, I don't think I would make it more serious or more dark. I think it's a little on the nose to watch it as an adult and be like, oh, I get it. It's a TV episode about TV. But as a kid, this is the level of explanation I would have needed to even remotely get it. And I feel yeah. like as a kid, I wouldn't have fully understood that it's making textual criticism of X-Men itself by bringing up like Storm's line where she's like, violence and destruction are not forms of amusement. And that felt to me like the show acknowledging how violent it is and how often the X-Men get into fights with friends of humanity. And like, we've had some pretty serious Nazi punching on this show, which I think is yeah. all justified. And I think that's maybe the argument that's being made here is like, you know, there's a lot of kids shows that are a lot of empty violence that's just for fun. And, you know, like Looney Tunes stuff or Elmer Fudd shooting a rabbit or whatever. And it's fine and it's funny and kids just see violence constantly as part of their cartoon viewing. But this show is trying to make some points about violence and like, when is it necessary? And the constant debate the X-Men have is like, when should we be using violence should we be fighting back against these villains or not? And like, if so, how far are we going to go? Like, that's the conversation that the characters have in almost every episode up to this point. And so even though this is like a joke episode, it's still the characters being like, well, we aren't going to use our powers as like a circus show. Like, that's not the point of what the X-Men do. That's like how the world sees us maybe as like circus freaks, but that's not what we are. And that's right. not what we want to do. Well, I think you bring up a fair great point here where it's Mojo seeing them in the incorrect light, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. As like just entertainers as opposed right, to like political activists. He just activists. blows their secret, their secret identities at one point. He just shows up. He's like, yo, Cyclops and Jean Grey. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? You know, he doesn't understand yeah. that there is that layer there, that they are... Or he doesn't even care because as far as yeah. he's concerned, all other dimensions are his playthings because, you know, right. power corrupts. But it is kind of a nice commentary on sort of like people watching the TV show and not understanding that these characters are just like their superheroes, cartoon characters for you to watch and like be like, yay, Wolverine's fighting. And it's like, no, they're they're fighting for their rights. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, like, excuse me, Wolverine is fighting for his civil rights as a game. Yeah, man. I know <laughs> for sure. And then also, you know, I think you have a good point that Mojo kind of represented for the writers at the time writing this TV show and the producers, what, people were probably saying about their show. And I think that yeah. makes sense here where the way that Mojo re was reacting to the way the X-Men were is the way that maybe some negative reviewers were dealing with that show at the time. Or that, like possibly I think that's a good point. even higher ups, executives at their various animation studios that maybe came in and were like, hey, ratings are down. Put in some more dragons. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what kinds of criticisms they were receiving in the early days of the show, but I'm sure there was something kind of cathartic about writing an episode where you get to kind of rail against the, like, crappy director, the worst boss you've ever had, who just comes in and is like, I don't give a crap about what message you're trying to send. All of this is just whiz-bang, sparkles, and explosions, and people just want violence. They don't want to see the characters be happy. And also, this is right after the episode, which we did a few weeks ago, but... In the show, it's right after the episode that ends with Beast 
breaking up with that girl and being like, we can never be happy. It's like a total yeah. downer ending. That was what the previous episode to this one was. And so I was thinking about that too. Like this is a reflection of how they're making a show where people are not going to be happy. And yeah, they, they're just going to be sad endings sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I think the team on this show specifically took this concept of a reality TV show that was in the X-Men comic books and then really made it about the the production of their show and also like their competition and sort of what media was like at that time. And it works like they could have done it as a straight translation of the comic books where it could have just been the X-Men's version of whatever TV is there. But in mm-hmm. this, they like chose to go and do something that would represent them and the media industry in like 1992 or whatever year this episode came out. I, I just felt that I thought that was very clever. I thought that was a really smart way to do the episode. It, I mean, imagine if they had just done it as a straight random reality TV thing, but instead they compared themselves with all these other things going on. Also, if we're talking politics, does this count as politics? I don't fucking know. But <laughs> I do. I mean, there's a lot in here about number one, about consumerism, which is just how everybody wants more and more and more and more. But like, mm-hmm. it's also they're tired of the old stuff, but they want the old stuff, but they want to twist on the old yeah, stuff, but then they gosh. want the new thing and then they could the new thing and they want the old thing. And I think that is definitely a thing that is uh, being brought up here because that is true. Even now from a marketing standpoint, it's how people operate. It's very strange. It's it nobody's is, ever but I quite mean, it's content. Also like just a reflection of the frustration that I think the artists making it probably felt about how they were being talked to about what kind of show they should be making and just being like, uh, it doesn't have to be exactly like the comics. Who cares? Just just put slap something together, and the kids need to buy more action figures. And yeah, pretty much put in put in more characters. Do another episode with so and so. We need we need to sell Pyro and Avalanche action figures. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what they were being told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm sure that's how it felt sometimes. I'm sure there were episodes where they were like, "Oh, we don't want to fucking write another Juggernaut episode." I hope that's how they felt about those episodes because they're bad. But like, <laughs> I'm sure they were like told like hey you gotta write episodes with these villains so that we can sell toys or whatever yeah and, and it's just you could tell when their heart is in it and when it is it sucks as an artist to have to like think about that because obviously you want your stuff to be seen and you have to think about how it's being marketed and you're trying to sell it because you know capitalism exists but it's also like shitty to have to be making those compromises and it is kind of yeah. funny to see like the 1992 version of that in a kids I show uh, a little darker of a political note that is definitely not relevant to when the show is made, but I just definitely had a couple times through this episode where uh, I thought of Mojo as uh, our president, but 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 but, but, as, but as like reality TV show host, yes, Trump. as if as if Trump was treating our country as his reality TV show, Ugh. and that's what Mojo the Mojo World is, and I that's the parallel that I drew with our current times and you were like there's no political landing in here and i was like sure yeah there wasn't then i don't think or there wasn't but i just don't know what it was wasn't but then, this, but this then is we how i feel about it right TV now and it was like okay so imagine like the way that Moja's reacting reminds me a lot of the way that trump responds to uh news and social media and although saturday Mojo, night live Mojo is a little funnier than trump let me just oh, sure. go ahead and I say mean, like, that <laughs> to a certain degree you can be on mojo's side which is not the case otherwise 
Yeah. But I definitely was thinking about that and how Trump used to be a reality TV show star and now he's got his reality TV show country and that's kind of what Mojoverse is and I that's that's something that I kept on drawing parallels with so <sighs> yeah uh, we just have to like drop a bunch of TVs on the White House no just kidding uh, no um, we're not gonna do that good God we still need the White House. Uh, <laughs> we just we? need Longshot to come in to turn out <laughs> Longshot just needs to appear with Spiral and just shut down the control room, I guess. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh no, I you just need Jean Grey. Jean Grey just needs to use her psychic powers and then all the stupid shit in the country breaks. I feel like the answer leave. to everything is always that we need the X-Men. Like we need Rogue picking it up Wolverine really... and using his claws to break something. And we just, I don't know. We just always need the X-Men in real yeah, life. Yeah, we do. The X-Men really help carry us through life every day and also into bed. I mean, without the X-Men, our bed adventures would not be that exciting. Bed adventures. <laughs> sex, Ryan. It's called sex. I like how you're just admitting openly that like fantasizing about the X-Men makes your sex life more interesting. You know? Yeah, sure. Who sure. doesn't it make it more ex- interesting for? You're all doing it wrong if you're not thinking about Wolverine all the time. I mean, that's true. That's just true you anyway. Know. So do we want to do who's that X-Men? I don't know if we even have yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do. Okay, okay so ready who's that x-men uh so we had a couple choices here and i was trying to choose between mojo Longshot, and spiral i didn't know there was another Longshot episode coming so i chose Longshot, and i know that we have a bunch of other mojo appearances throughout the series and future series and spiral also appears again so i chose to launch shot so because He's not really explained who the fuck he is at all. And I forgot how fucking stupid his story is. And I was laughing so hard when I was writing down the notes because I don't know. Let me just explain this because it's very short. <laughs> okay, and great. he's been with the X-Men before. So it's not like he's one of those one off characters that's been there for a little bit. He was there a bunch in the 80s. Anyway, so his name is just literally Longshot. So deal with that. He has probability altering or luck powers. Uh, psychometry which is you can get knowledge from touching things he has probability manipulation superhuman agility and a healing factor so he's basically domino when you think about it yeah i was just thinking he's kind of like domino's lucky powers okay and his haircut was based on the musician lamal at the time you have to look who up who that is. I, think I mean, it was every musician British... had this haircut at the time, but sure, yeah, we can pretend sure. it was just based on one. Uh, he definitely doesn't have hair metal hair at all. They also made like a different version of him where he was going to look more like an alien, but then ended up settling with this version. And also his eye glows whenever he's using his powers for noble use. Just mm. so you know. Here's a question you were asking me earlier because you were like, where did the humans come from? Well, it's because he was artificially created as a humanoid life form by Mojo's science team. And I think the head geneticist was this guy named Arise. And hmm. so all the humans in that world were just like genetically created. Mind you, they are not robots. They are still human, but they were grown in a lab humans. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a way to do that, I guess. Yeah. And the head scientist... <laughs> basically gave Longshot and his other creations free will and consciousness and hoping that one day they would rise up against their masters because the people who ran the Mojoverse were all Mojos. Like, they all, there were a bunch of them, you know, and they were all keeping everybody as their slave race, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Longshot and the other slaves rebel against their masters and they undergo a ritual which gave them the power to create good luck for themselves. But didn't he already have it? Because, or is that how he no, got it? No, no, that's it? where he gets it. Oh, okay, and okay. So, now, get, this is where it gets fucking batshit insane. So, 
Lancia is rendered as an amnesiac by his masters, and he escapes to Earth, but he doesn't remember anything because he has amnesia. Moja's servants try to follow Lancia out there, but they can't get there and keep on getting trapped between Earth and the Mojaverse. And so while Lancia is on Earth, he just doesn't remember who he is and becomes a movie stuntman. So he's still doing that shit. Mojo and Spiral eventually find Longshot there, and Longshot defeats him with the aid of Ricochet Rita, Quark, and Doctor Strange. They then send Mojo and his minions back to the Mojoverse and free the slaves. After another rebellion, Longshot gets amnesia again. <laughs> and, and Mojo Mojo gets him and Why? sends him to Earth again. And during this time, this is when he runs with the X-Men, and he's there for a bunch of big plot points, including like the Morlock Massacre, and also when all the X-Men pretended to die, and also all that time in Australia with the Reavers, and then during that time when a bunch of the X-Men were captured on Genosha, he went there to save them. So he was actually there for all that, and during that time he fell in love with Dazzler. And then after a severe identity crisis, because he's gotten amnesia twice now and was also genetically created in a lab, Launchout leaves the X-Men. But later, Longshot is reunited with Dazzler, and they teleport themselves back to the Mojiverse, where they decide that's where they can live happily. Which is fucking dumb, you idiots. Why did you go there? All fucking places. <laughs> anyway, Dazzler gets pregnant with, at the time, was hinted to eventually be Shatterstar. Uh, I don't know if you know who Shatterstar is, but he is from sort of the X-Force 90s era, and then on X-Factor. Oh. He's gay now. He They've got him out of the closet, but, you know, he was super gay with Ricker way back in the day. I think I remember Shatterstar from M-Day and Civil War. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> he's in. He's coming up. He's going to be in Deadpool too, FYI. And during that time, Dazzler and Longshot care for the X-Babies, which were like these cartoon X-Babies that Mojo created. And so they were just like baby versions of the X-Men running around, but they were like cartoon baby versions of the X-Men. And then... Then, like, both Lancia and Dazzler also get amnesia. <laughs> oh, my God. Comics! And, and then, so, Dazzler goes back to the regular universe, and uh, she is all like, I don't remember anything, but I'm just going to assume that the ex-babies and Lancia died. But meanwhile, Lancia is killed by this guy named The Thingy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And he tries to go to heaven, but he's rejected because he's no longer sacred or whatever because he has his luck powers. And so he just goes back to Earth instead and has adventures there. I don't understand where heaven falls in the X-Men universe, but they keep on trying to go back there and they keep on getting rejected. So I don't really understand what heaven is according to the Marvel universe. I don't either. I like anytime magic and religion stuff gets involved. It's just it. It's yeah. a whole bunch yeah, of so, bullshit. So he's on Earth for a bunch of time until he gets amnesia again. <laughs> oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> yes! I forgot how stupid all this was. I was laughing so hard. I, I knew this, but I've forgotten because it's been so long since I've given a shit about Launchot. And so this is during this time he joins the Exiles, which is sort of like a bunch of random characters from different universes or the X-Men universe that, as, that had died or disappeared. So you know, like how magic would be there shortly or... Scarlet Witches and Nightcrawler's daughter, you know, all those weird characters. Um, and so he ran there and they recruited him because they were like, your luck powers are the only thing that can conquer Proteus's powers. And Proteus basically is like another version of Legion. Don't ask how that works. They just, that's what they decided to do. And then Longshot decided to stay there and sort of like, not necessarily with the exiles, but he decided to dimension hop and stop all the reality warping bullshit and also repairing damaged realities and so he did that for a little bit but that doesn't end 
well, because then Longshot is captured by Madame Hydra and the Hand, and they brainwash him. He gets amnesia again. Of course. At that point, it's just a joke with the writers. Like, it has to be. It has to be. Like, they all uh, are like, oh, I've, I've got a Longshot issue this month. I'm going to give him amnesia again. Yeah, I know. It's like, and he has no memory of Dazzler at this point. And then at some point, he runs into Dazzler, and they try to rekindle themselves because he knows that he knows her from somewhere, and Dazzler's, like, helping him to remember who he is. And... He can't because he's lost his memory so many times. So he's trying to figure out who he is. And he sees that he was running around Detroit at some point. But that turns out to be that it happened during the secret invasion. So there was just a scroll that had been running around him in in Detroit. So that wasn't him either. So he couldn't figure any of that shit out. And then after that, he finally states it's like a plot point where Launchot says that he doesn't even know what his powers are anymore. (laughs) Wow. It's just the right writers. I mean, just, how like, could he fucking... be expected to remember them? So yeah. okay, fair. okay. So just put the cherry on the topping of his fucking wacky background. Finally, they explain that Shatter who Shatterstar is, and Shatterstar and Richter, who are boyfriends, uh, they they eventually. I mean, they're friends in the '90s, and then like in the past decade, they actually hook up and become like a gay couple, which is great. Uh, and they travel back in time to mojo world except it's in the past and this is where they discover the whole past in which shatterstar appeared out of the sky which is something shatterstar does by the way he just kind of like appears in other worlds and just falls out of the sky and the Mm -hmm. mojos captured him and use his like genetics to start creating the humanoids that 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 includes Launchot. So oh, Shadowstar is actually Launchot's dad. But then it's also what? revealed that Launchot and Dazzler have Shadowstar as their child. So Shadowstar is both no, Launchot's dad and that son. <laughs> that's that doesn't make any sense, and I don't care for it. No, thank you. Oh uh, well, after that, it doesn't matter because they both get amnesia again. I hope they never remember any of that. <laughs> and that's that's what happens. Shadowstar is just explaining to Richter pretty casually. He's like. They don't remember anything because they've both gotten amnesia at least like 10 times. <laughs> like, that's it. That's Launchot's history. Wow. That's amazing. I can't believe that's fucking canon. Also, <laughs> like, I, yeah. Wow. That's and perfect. Every, every single time. Okay. I was, I'm screaming into the bike and I'm sorry. <laughs> so every single time I was reading this. Because I, I, you know, I, I know the X Men history, but when I go to write the X Men character notes, I like go and like do my research again, just make sure that I'm like fucking up facts, and I could still be fucking it up. You never know. And every single time he got amnesia, I kept on thinking of that Futurama episode where like they're watching uh, the circuit, the show with fucking what's his name, uh, the soap opera with the robots. There's an episode where all the robots keep on turning out to have amnesia, and they're like. And I have amnesia. And then the other robot turns around. She's like, but that's not possible because I also have amnesia. And they kept on saying it that way. It's just, and that's, I kept on thinking about that while reading Launchout's fucking weirdo history. I feel like amnesia is like such a classic parody of a soap opera thing to do because it's just like a way to fix a character and just be like, I don't know, you have amnesia. Why would you do it like 20 times? A long shot's already supposed to be when you think about it, the whole Mojoverse is supposed to be like a parody of other media, right? So mm-hmm. it would not so, surprise yeah, me so if Longshot is uh, kind of a parody of soap operas, but not really because he's like no, an 80s well, action maybe star. he's not. But Longshot, I mean, he could just be a parody of like bad plot devices. So like he could suffer from <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Very generous for us to know. be like, this is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, how is this just Longshot. Anyway, um, do we want to do reader mail or rate the episode? Uh, we should say or... who's gay first. Excuse me. The X-Men are a metaphor for a lot of 
Nobody's gay. The end. Well, I I still vote Magneto and Xavier because it's like so ridiculous that Magneto. Okay, so Xavier sees a girl and Magneto's <laughs> Here's like, a girl. "Here's yeah. a girl." It's just Nobody this this busty naked girl walks out and Magneto's like, "Don't look at her!" and like throws <laughs> his entire body onto Xavier. Is like, "It don't do it. It could be really bad." And then Sauron like funny. takes her away and he's like, see, see, anytime you interact with a girl, a pterodactyl will kill you. That's why you should date me. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I'll go with that. I did think that Mojo and Domo were supposed to be kind of like a gay couple. I don't know whether it's like what about good uh, representation. And but... fucking Mojo's gay breakup. <laughs> sure. Why not? I think Longshot's pretty straight, though, considering he's constantly surrounded by Dazzler and some other forgettable babe. Mm, yeah, but sometimes... But, you know, you can always swing both ways, so why well, not? I was going to say, sometimes when guys surround themselves by girls and it's like Gary Oak from Pokemon, he's like, look at all these hot <laughs> cheerleaders around me. Yeah, We're like, we know, all know you're fucking Gary gay. Gary Oak, that famous gay character. <laughs> I like how that's your go-to, as though everyone already knows Gary Oak is gay. Everybody knows who Gary Oak is. And right. knows that he's gay. No shit. Yeah, I'm well, they do. Everybody that has watched Pokemon knows that pretty much everybody on that show is gay. So, mm-hmm, even though mm-hmm. they're all 12. Anyway, I don't know how we got there, but uh, Mag- <laughs> Magneto <laughs> <Fine>. wins. <laughs> I'm fine with choosing Magneto as the winner this week. He very because, rarely gets to be. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of gay stuff. We haven't had a lot of gay stuff in the past few episodes. It's been like we too haven't. serious. Like in mm-hmm. the last episode, Beast was uh, sad with, for like 30 yeah. minutes. <laughs> First, with the girl, Crying over and, then, a girl. and then the episode before that was like the Friends of Humanity, and that was pretty some pretty dark shit. Although there was gay trucker Wolverine, and like that was pretty great. We but, always like, managed to find some gay stuff, even in the episodes where it has no right to be. Oh, there, and we're wait about Wolverine's it. Wolverine's uh, fucking foursome with all the robots. They were all dudes. Okay, that was like one second, and the entire episode was I Dream of Gene. So I don't know. I don't uh, know. Yeah, but like, where did his clothes go? I respect Maddie Wolverine's can't. shirt being ripped <laughs> off, but I still feel like Gene was the one talking to him during that scene. So okay, all right, fair. It's it's gay in the sense that you were watching it. That's what yeah, makes it well, gay. <laughs> I just assume that everybody else is fucking all the guys, and then the girls are just mm-hmm, like out mm-hmm. shopping at the mall with me. So you're usually right, and yeah, that's what's important. Much. Okay, uh, cool. Well, we can rate the ex- episode and then do some reader mail. Um, so. I really just want to give it a five because I laughed a lot. I don't think it deserves a five. So maybe like a 4.5. I'll give it a four. I mean, okay. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, didn't, I think it, it doesn't really it have again. any like longstanding plot consequences. So, uh, oh, we should also clarify. This is one out, out of five. five yeah. Out of five. Uh, we never do that. And I kind of wonder if somebody like listens to our show and think I we're think just we like, always glowing. do it. And every time you're like, we never do it. And I feel like you've said that every time. <laughs> whatever people well can write sorry in i'm suffering us. from amnesia so i don't remember people can write in and tell us and we'll also read their mail which is what we're gonna do in the oh, next yeah. segment read your mail does ryan know how to open up his fucking gmail account he doesn't how do i close this thing i don't know where i am okay now i have to go to a different gmail account okay we're here all right okay so <laughs> That's okay. the theme song this week Meanwhile, for Reader Mail and all if, future reels. If you wanted to send us a Reader Mail, you could do so at themutantages at gmail.com. Yeah. And 
We'll read it. Okay, I already read some of these and I already ha have answers prepared, but we're going to go ahead. Um, so the first one is from James, and he writes, I think Skeletor versus Magneto would be a really close fight. <laughs> oh my since... god, I forgot about this. <laughs> Maddie's like... <laughs> it's from weeks Maddie, ago. are you crying? <laughs> no, I just forgot. I just fucking forgot how stupid okay. our show is. Anyway, just Okay, continue. this is actually for the All right, listeners, if continue you don't, haven't listened to very serious email from James. Wait, which episode was this in? It was the one was, with Beast, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember why, but in that episode, for some reason, we referred to like 60 other well, television it's because, shows. That's because there was that scene where Xavier and Magneto made out on the beach in the Savage Land, and oh. like he was fighting all these like amphibious. Remember amphibious? Yes. And he, <laughs> Yeah. He was transporting them away, and we were like, it's a He-Man villain. So that's mm -hmm. what this is. And then you were like, what if Skeletor was there? And then you were like, what if Magneto and Skeletor fought each other? Who would or win? Or fucked each other? Who would win? Who well, would that's top? a separate question. We can do who that next bottom? week. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay, tell us who who's a top and who's a bottom, Skeletor or Magneto. Anyway, okay. I think Skeletor versus Magneto would be a really close fight, since Skeletor has some sort of magic sorcerer powers. However, Magneto is also very powerful, with the ability to do ridiculous stuff with his powers. I think it would come down to, how effective is Skeletor's magic? Can Magneto block and dodge it somehow? Does Skeletor know better than to try and use mind-affecting spells? Mm, I don't think Skeletor would do that. I think that's the first thing he would go for and then be fucked over. Mm. Is Skeletor wearing metal? I think that he normally is, and his wiki page says said he sometimes carries a sword, which would be a big advantage to Magneto. Of course. However... While I think Magneto has decent chances of defeating Skeletor, I'm not actually sure that Skeletor is killable. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, I think in a few places I looked, I thought Skeletor might actually be a leech. A leech? Oh, oh, oh my god. A, a lich. lich. I a thought lich. it was pronounced lich, but I don't actually know. I'm just now realizing I've never pronounced that word aloud, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, neither have I. That's why I'm just like sitting here this like wondering if I'm fucking it up. This is one of those embarrassing moments where you've like yeah. read a word for your entire life, but you don't actually know how to pronounce it. Guys, oh my god, and tell us how to pronounce it. Let us know if we're stupid. Lick, right. lich, leech. Lick. <laughs> uh, lick. Uh, so even if Magneto just destroys him, he would just regenerate. So since mm -hmm. Magneto has no healing factor, I think Skeletor would get him eventually. You might be well, right about that. Yeah, but Magneto always does that thing where he like puts himself inside his like fucking like super soldier tubes to get young again. So I don't know. That's true. But I feel like Skeletor, isn't Skeletor like originally a human wizard who cast a spell on himself and like lost his face and became a skeleton? Isn't that his backstory? So he's like yeah. immortal basically because of his wizard powers. So I feel like yeah. it's a pretty fair fight, honestly. I mean, they have different motives, so I, don't, I can't imagine why they would be fighting why would in the they first fight? place. Well, actually, it does make sense. If Skeletor is just hell-bent on world domination and just going from world to world and dominating the world, Magneto would not be down for that. He'd be like, we're not your slaves. Yeah, that's true. I think he'd fight back, him and Emma. And Xavier would be like, we should probably try and talk to Skeletor and see if we can and work Skeletor something out. Skeletor would just immediately kidnap Xavier, and then Magneto would have to fight him to get his boyfriend back. Yeah, pretty much. And then all the X-Men get Thor into it, and they're all pissed off about it again. Next email is from Claire. Um, Yay! Claire writes, hey guys, hope you've been doing well. I really enjoyed the last two episodes on A Rogue Story and Beauty and the Beast you guys put out. I have to wonder how many things I didn't like as a younger person I would actually enjoy now, like you did with Rogue's episode. Maybe the Watchmen movie is actually great. You know what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it, it no, might I'm with be. you, Claire. I don't know. I haven't revisited that. <laughs> oh, that's like Sin City when we were like, 
Oh, you weren't, but me and a bunch oh. of other people are obsessed with Sin City when it came out, and I, I revisited that, that recently, and I was like, this is terrible. It's like, garbage. Well, Rosario Dawson was in it, and I wanted to... She know, is great Rosario. in it. I remember liking her, but everything yeah. else is bad. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> the most interesting <laughs> aspect of yesterday's episode, in my opinion, was the way normalcy is deployed as a means of oppression, and the way characters on different sides of the coin relate to it. Both Beast and Great and Creed identify themselves relative to normal, either wishing he could be in Beast's case or claiming to be in Graydon's. I don't need to speak in metaphors, as normalcy is invoked in oppressive rhetoric all the time. I can't count how many times I have heard people say, I'm not cisgender, I'm just normal, or something similar rejecting whiteness, straightness, and mm -hmm. whatever, as anything other than the default for humanity. It's an illogical conflation of statistical probability with valid identities that allows people to ignore the harm done to minorities. I'm killing all these big words that you're, there's all big vocabulary you use, Claire. <laughs> she is too smart for me. You're um, doing a great job. <laughs> thank you. It sucks that the episode doesn't really have a happy ending for Beast, but I think that's pretty realistic. A lot of these stories start with someone struggling with the fact that they are not normal. A resolve when they accept that they wouldn't want to be normal anyway. That's great, but it maintains the structure of normalcy that created the problem in the first place and doesn't really address the real issue. I'm going to step off my soapbox before this turns into a full-on rant, but I'll just say I was moved by the recap. Also, Magneto would totally beat Skeletor. <laughs> Granted, oh shit, it's on! <laughs> the only He-Man I have ever seen is What's Going On meme, so not a huge example. That's uh, actually a great meme. You're fine. You know everything yeah, there yeah, is to yeah. know about okay, it. Okay, that's it for me. See you next time. Then she reattached the Wolverine Valentine that says, like, roses are red, violets are blue, but they both taste bad, though. Where's Worf? <laughs> and then she writes, I don't know why I attached the Valentine again. Must have been Mr. Sinister. <laughs> Still such a good Valentine. That's a great email. Yeah. I really appreciate our smart listeners writing in. I, awesome. I I really love Claire's emails. I always feel like she's too smart for me. I don't know. Maybe I feel I'm like just Claire is probably like in an alternate universe, like hosting a smarter version of this show than we are with like a yeah, smarter sure, sure. friend. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, another little quick thing I just wanted to say is that uh, Drake, who follows us in emails a bunch, sometimes sends Snapchats to me because he's following me on Snapchat, and I'll, mm -hmm, I'll open mm -hmm. anything, anything anybody sends me. You tweet at me, Whoa. email me. Guys, okay. you okay. can send Ryan anything and <laughs> if you're Wolverine, send me. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so he sent a picture of this place called Phoenix Optical, and he goes, "How awesome would it have been if this was the Eye Clinic in the last episode?" Honestly, <laughs> missed a opportunity. And then we finally have one more email that's actually from Drake, and it says, "Hey, Maddie and Ryan." And this is the one that I have prepared a response to. When I watched the throwback theater video for 007 The Galaxy is Not Enough, I was reminded of MojoVision. So I was wondering if this episode may have been an inspiration for Gino, mm. for the Gino multiverse alluded to in the video and mentioned in <gasps> Giphy 07. Oh, I so love Drake, that. Drake has listened to Giphy 07, oh watched Gino, and watched our throwback theaters, and he doesn't know, he does not know. He does not know how big the Genoverse goes. Nobody does besides you and me. I feel like um, Drake is the only other person who's like even close to getting it, though, besides like our friends. If we, like... if we, just, if we decide to uh, expand in some way, which we've discussed, maybe someday people will get there. Uh, anyway, so he writes, by the way, if the other fans and I are still calling dibs on powers, I'd like Kitty Pride's powers. I haven't seen the more recent X-Men movies, but I'm not sure what Kitty is like in those. But she's my favorite character in the comics, and I find her relatable much in the same way Ryan finds Jubilee relatable. Also, as an introvert, it would be really nice to just phase through a wall when I need a break from socializing. 
I hope Maddie's time at PAX East went well and that the weather up there has gotten warmer by the time you read this. See you next time, Drake. The answer to your question about did Mojo Vision inspire like all of our weird stuff? So first, I think we should probably explain what he's at referencing. So on our YouTube so. channel, uh, <laughs> we do this we do this show called Throwback Theater where we go back and react to like old movies that we made and sometimes old stories. We mm-hmm. have this other show which is actually part of a greater universe that Maddie and I have created. Yeah, we filmed Gino. the pilot of. And we never were able to film any more episodes, but we made one episode of a show called Gino that we would have liked to have made more episodes of, and maybe someday we will, um, where yeah. I'm a spy and Ryan's an alien doctor who works with me. And uh, yeah, you know, okay, so the, we live on can... another planet and we work for an organization called Gino as spies in space. Yep. And basically, we did this throwback theater that's also on our YouTube channel where we reread this old fiction or. It's not fiction. It's like a script I wrote that used the Geno characters, but like as if the Geno characters were putting on like their own movie of 007. And I've written a lot of stuff like that. And so the question is, was that inspired by Mojo Vision? And the answer is no, it's not. Although that's after watching it today, I can see how you could draw that conclusion. Um, I think if anything, I broke those walls because me and my friend Nico at the time kept on writing these serious stories, but then would take them out and put them in like a who framed Roger Radis setting. So like they all be in these different movies and TV shows and their own TV shows, but then they would come out of them. But yeah, like I Roger Rabbit, other people do this with their stories and I'd be curious to hear about it, but we have always done it ever since you and Nico started doing it in middle school. We would like write really serious, dramatic stories with specific sets of characters. And then just for fun, we'd be like, what if those exact same characters were running a TV show in a TV yeah. studio. Or what if and they were just the characters from sitcom. 007? Yeah, yeah, or what if they were making a movie, a James Bond parody movie, or trying to remake 007 shot for shot yeah, yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. what if those same characters were wizards or something? I mean, we, yeah. we did so, a bunch of different versions of that. And I think also part of it was just enjoying playing with the format and being like maybe this is the real version of these characters like we for don't a know. while i feel like we wrote you wrote so many tracer of jolt shows that it was almost like oh its my own God. universe where tracer who's a character from gino was like the conan o'brien-esque host of a tv show that all of the other characters were on and like kit fox was the band leader because I was in a band at the time. Pucci was the co-host and he kept like fucking everything up. Yeah. It was... And it was like kind of like Conan or The Late Show or whatever those shows yeah, are yeah, now. Yeah. Except that it was a sitcom behind the scenes about like all the fuck ups of that. And also the characters were still aliens. I don't know. It was it was, it was funny. <laughs> I think that's when it still existed in the like Who Framed Roger Rabbit universe. And th- I think that was probably the first main ins- inspirations because specifically in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like they were these characters but then they would like leave the set and like Jessica Rabbit was still Jessica Rabbit when she left the set. Roger Rabbit was still Roger Rabbit when he left the set. But then they'd go on to a different set and still, you know, they do a to- entirely different kind of movie, yeah, but they're and still like, playing their characters. A lot of characters. media was like that then. Like you watch a lot of Looney Tunes and Animaniacs and stuff and Tiny Toons. Yeah, and- I, th- I was going to say Tiny Toons was probably the bigger inspiration after that because I watched a lot of Tiny Toons. And until I was rewatching it again, I didn't realize like how its humor and its writing in the dialogue was so specific to like the way that I write scripts now. Yeah. So I think, and so tiny tunes was all about Im- mimicking genres and different TV shows that were out at the time. And they, again, were just the characters playing other characters, but they were still their, their own characters. And that was like what that whole show was about. So 
that's that's probably where the main thing is but i don't know after watching moji vision i definitely messaged maddie i was like whoa this is like a story i would have written especially when it to the rogue is playing rogue <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed seeing those things it it yeah. definitely it didn't necessarily make me think of gino but i can totally see the parallel there and it's also like funny to me that anybody is even familiar with gino it will probably never stop being funny but if you are listening to this and you want to watch it and all of the other things we just described you can go to our youtube channel and check it out at atomic loop productions yep and you can go and support our patreon too because we're an entirely fan supported show so all of our atomic blue ch- production stuff is supported by you guys and without all of y'all we couldn't do any of this and you know I'm i mean we still soon. would it would just be way lower quality and it would come out way less. no but like we're <laughs> we're finally that that big move is about to happen which means we're gonna start making more shit which means we're gonna definitely need to get some new equipment the stuff that mm-hmm. we keep on putting off from doing it's and, always nice to not have to pay for that stuff out of pocket and to be able yeah. to reimburse people for helping us or for gas money or whatever sure. because you know we really like making dumb videos about how we're space aliens and spies and, and shit like that so maybe we can actually make more of those or yeah. even if you don't care about the videos and you just really like the podcast and you want to kick us a buck for hosting fees that's fine too you don't have to check out anything else if you don't want to but there's some pretty funny stuff there so you know you're missing out yeah and you can find the mutant ages on twitter at literally the mutant ages and we're individually on twitter i'm at ryan pagella and i'm at Mitty myers and And don't forget to give us an email shoot us an email themutantages at gmail.com as yeah, i've already what? stated now i will open question. anything you said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also apparently our question prompt was if skeletor and magneto were to hook up which of them is the top and which of them is the bottom but i don't know maybe we come up with a better question prompt than that like yeah what should, question... should tell us about your thoughts on mojo vision sure and... or my question about how when other people were writing original stories if they also did what we did and set them in other universes or worlds or, or what other universes and genres should the x-men be in Ooh, <gasps> what other what ifs there's some pretty good what if comics out there but there's not nearly enough i dream of gene <laughs> like elseworlds uh, you know yo, like that's i not want a thing. dude i want charlie's angels with charles xavier like leading like psylocke and emma frost and gene gray as the angels that's what i want i saw you tweet that at gail simone the other day you like really want that it's a cute idea i do i do i do i also i also would love one where it's like all the light wielders so it's like boom boom jubilee and dazzler are the angels that would be great or like all the blue characters so it's like archangel nightcrawler and beast i've thought I mean, a lot about they this. don't have to be charlie's angels they could just be a trio of characters it doesn't have to like listen i hate yeah. xavier so I, that's my only issue with this idea <laughs> Other than that, yeah, yeah, yeah. love the idea. But, you know, yeah. there's only one Charlie. So what can we do? Oh, yeah, well. Pretty much. So that's that. We'll that see that. you next time. See you next time. Something, something. I don't know. I did something about Mojoverse. For more gratuitous violence on oh, television. Oh, my God. No, on podcast. <laughs> We're podcasting. More gratuitous violence on podcasts. That's right. That's the real problem of our times. Follow us at AtomicBlueProductions.com or support us at Patreon.com slash AtomicBlueProductions.